Welcome to the second version of the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series with a whole new entrepreneur, a whole new product, and some explicit content. So warning, if you're listening to this in the car with the kids in the back, turn it off now. There is some swearing and some adult content in this episode. Now, there's two reasons the podcast has taken this turn for this particular series. Is number one, people swear in real life. It happens. And whilst we avoid that on the main Monday episode, and I avoid it in nearly all my presentations, it's part of life. And if you enter into the business world, you're going to come across it occasionally. But I need you to know there are swearing in this episode. So explicit warning content. Number two, the theme is you can make money doing what you love. And actually throughout this series, we discover the different subjects that the particular artist we're working with, her name is Jamie, the particular subjects she is interested in and the different things. And she does everything from children's art to women in horror to erotic pinup art. And she covers a broad range of subjects and we cover some interesting things. So you have been well warned. This is an explicit subject and explicit content warning for this series of the podcast. If you've got your kids, turn it off, <laughs> put your headphones in and listen away. As always, I think there is some incredible takeaways from these conversations and I'll have a little summary for you at the end. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt. Rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So on today's episode, I have two people with me. I have the legendary trainer of Pop-Up Business School, Katie Coombs. Katie Coombs, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, good evening, um, good morning, Alan. I'm not sure what time of day it actually is or where in, the, where in the world I am or what the date is. 2020 has been a bit of a confusing year. It has been a confusing year, but I'm glad you're here to help us navigate through the business world. Um, yeah, so welcome back to the show. And today we've got with us as well, we've got Jamie Dillon. Jamie Dillon, welcome to the show. Hi, Alan. Hi, Katie. It is morning here in Canada, but I think it's afternoon for you. So we're all screwed up. It's perfect. It's perfect. We can be screwed up together. And Jamie, like I've been really excited about doing this episode with you. Uh, you filled out the feedback form from season one of the podcast and gave me some brilliant ideas. And I messaged you about your business. We just got chatting. Tell us and the listeners, what exactly is your business? What are you working on at the moment? Yeah, so I was really happy to fill out that end of season form. It kind of helped me really think about what did I do as sidekicks this year? And, and I was quite inspired by the show to do a lot of sort of mini, mini things, quick things. So I'm an illustrator. I draw a very cartoony style. I have a few different themes that I work with in my art. But in general, I would say like my work is bright, cartoony, comic book style. And this year I've been getting more commissions. I've been sort of putting myself out there getting more commissions. I've been teaching a bit of art as well, but that's not what I want my main focus to be. My main focus I really want is to be working as a full-time illustrator. I have a day job. It is in a creative field, 
But I honestly, I would like to be working for myself down the road. This is my main goal. And that's the main thing I'd like to work on here with you both today. I love that. So it's turning the side hustle into the full-time thing and making money out of your passion, which is the illustration and the art. Exactly. So what is the biggest challenge you're facing at the moment? So the biggest challenge is time. Time is really a huge issue for me because I have a day job. I work out quite a bit. I'm not going to stop that because I care about my health and fitness. And it's also from my mental health. If I don't work out, I feel really sad. So I mentioned a bit of this to you before, and I have three, I guess, silos for my art, and they're all very different. And so I have three pen names, and I'm really stretching myself too thin. And I'm trying to figure out, do I drop one or two of them? Do I find a way to merge them together? So I don't know if you want me to go into more detail of those, but I'll say absolutely lack of time and stretching myself too thin are my biggest issues. And I'll say already this year, I was doing some other side gigs. I have personal training certifications, so I was getting personal training clients. Like I said, I was teaching art to my friend's daughter online. I was teaching myself programming, just like doing literally everything. And I have cut out many of those things. I enjoy doing a lot of different stuff in my life. It gives me pleasure, but I really want to focus on my art. So I feel like even though I have three different art businesses, somehow that's less. I'm doing less than I was before, if you can imagine. (laughs) Jamie, when do you sleep, Jamie? (laughs) Oh, I don't sleep. (laughs) I just live off a constant stream of caffeine. Jamie, you say that your goal here is to have a full-time day job being an illustrator. Is that really your dream? Is that your, you know, your North Star? Is that your vision? My North Star is that I am creating art and comics that I feel passionate about. So for me, that looks like, I mean, in a dream world, let's say it's a dream world where like I could not fail. I'm making comics. I'm selling them either as digital downloads. I'm launching Kickstarters for them. You know, there's other options. There's like Patreon. There's a lot of options for artists. But in my in my dream world, I'm creating the stories that I've always wanted to create that I keep putting to the side because I've just been doing my day job and, and doing all these other things. And I'm, you know, selling perhaps prints and art and merchandise with my characters on them. Drawing is the thing that gives me the most pleasure. When I'm creating, when I'm drawing, when I'm making characters, I'm just like... I'm on a high. It's the best. It's the thing I love the most out of anything. So yeah, absolutely. Being able to draw every day, create stories, create characters that make people happy. I don't know if it sounds dumb, but when people enjoy my work, that also like there's this two parts to the pleasure. There's the actual act of creation and then sharing and bringing people joy through my art. It's just, it's all I need, honestly, in the world and the caffeine and the exercise. And then I'm good. Like that's my dream. <laughs> I love that, by the way. And just as you're talking, I can hear the passion in your voice. You can hear it's, it, it, you. it. You know, you're genuine. It's authentic. It's you. Um, the thing that I'm interested in is you, the first thing you said was art and comics that you feel passionate about. And clearly you do. But also you want to commercialize them. Yes. So you want people to pay you to give you money in return for your art, your time and your passion. That's how I see it. Is that yeah, right? Absolutely. You definitely yes, want indeed. to earn money from this so that you can give up your job and you can earn a good living uh, or even more doing what you love. Is that really it? Are you absolutely committed to doing that? Yeah. And for a long time, I think this is the other struggle, which I don't know if we'll talk about today is, is that mindset piece where for a really long time, I thought, I couldn't be an artist. Like even when I was a kid, I was doing, I was like, well, I have to be an animator. I have to get a job. Like 
doing something in a company related to art. I didn't think I could actually just be drawing what I wanted to draw. And then as I grew up and I saw other people doing it, it's like, oh, wait, actually you can do this. So I had to change that. I've always worked on my plan B my whole life. I'm such an entrepreneur. I've always been doing things like web design and graphic design. You know, I built a career for myself actually in e-learning because in e-learning, um, it's education online, but because I can draw and create and do graphic design, I have the superpower. So I built a good career for myself. I'm actually working in video games right now. Um, so that's a big thing for me. And also just like, I don't know, like a, a lot has happened this year, Corona, other things in my life, which made me realize life is really, really short. And I've spent my whole life sort of like not putting art first always drawing, always creating, but never, ever making it my main focus, never giving it the real push. And another part is that I really actually thought I wasn't good enough for a very long time. I thought I was inadequate as an artist, that I couldn't make it as an artist. And um, I'm sort of pushing those thoughts aside and just going for it this year and just saying, again, life is really fucking short. Do I want to say that I didn't try and make a living for myself as an artist? So that's sort of where I am. I think there's no doubt then. I think there's no doubt you do want to do that. You are committed to it. I'm just trying to get to to finding out and defining that goal because once you've got that kind of goal in your head and you can say it simply how you want to be, that you know the life you want to construct for yourself, then you can work towards it. And to be clear, even though it's not all about getting to the goal, it's a lot about the journey and the day-to-day and how you mm-hmm. get there and the enjoyment of your life getting there and what else it will bring along the way it's good to have a real clear focus and goal to go for. I think you have, I mean, the passion and your, your talent. I mean, I've had a look at some of your stuff over the last 24 hours and looking at your Instagram accounts and your website, your talent is unbelievable. I mean, you're clearly driven, you're talented, uh, you're authentic, you're real, and you're passionate about what you want to do. And now we're going to take some steps, some real steps, some actions, as smart as we can because you're busy you've got a lot on so we need to remove some of the clutter remove some of the distractions really focus laser focus on what you need to do and take some big big steps here and get going I think yeah that sounds great so just so the people listening can follow along Jamie what's the main Instagram account that people can have a look at right now to have a look at your art whilst they're listening to the show the uh, one that is safe for work, probably a good idea because I'm sure everyone's listening to this at the office. <laughs> My Instagram is Miss Jamie Dillon, and that's Jamie spelled J A Y M I E, and then Dillon like Bob Dylan, because of course. So at Miss Jamie Dillon on Instagram or Twitter, you can go ahead and, and check that out. So this is actually one of the questions is you've got three different brands of artwork that you do, three different uh, focuses. And you're doing them all at the moment. How's that going? It's not going too great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I have my main account, the one that I I just said. It's really like that's where the passion is. That's where I put in. I have like I'm a weirdo goth, you know, 40-year-old goth woman who's always loved this spooky, cute art style and horror movies and also like feminism, which does that fit? Yes, it does. You'd be surprised. Feminism and horror movies are actually quite linked. And so doing like really cool female characters is something I love. And I would love to be doing horror comics, horror comic anthologies, starting some small horror comics. And also my style is like super fun. So it's like spooky, cute, psychedelic horror comics. Like that would be like my brand. 
this main one. And I wonder of the three, is this the least profitable? Should this be maybe just my passion project that I work on while I do the other ones? So the second one I'll say is kids illustration. And I've done like cartoon pet portraits. I've been getting commissions for children's books. So talking to authors about illustrating their books, I got commissioned for um, an artist portrait. And this one, like, I'll say this is funny because I've always drawn funny animals. I'm kind of like known for funny cartoon animals. I love drawing animals. And one day I was feeling super depressed and I went on my personal Facebook because I know that when you're sad, it's good to cheer other people up. So one day I was like, hey, everyone, I'm doing five minute portraits or animal drawings of your favorite animal. Drop it in the comments. And people did. And I, at the end of like two days, because it took more than five minutes, about 15 to 20 minutes per drawing, I did about like 30 animal drawings and people were wow. so happy. They they loved them. It made other people happy. It was a trick. It was all to make me happy, <laughs> you know, by, <laughs> by making other people happy. Totally worked, by the way. And then not long after, two of my friends said, oh, I know this children's author, you know, are you interested in commission? I'm like, yes. So I actually did like through this experiment. Well, it was an experiment. It was just like having fun. I hooked up with, with two uh, authors and uh, one of them has paid me for an illustration. And the other one had an idea for a book. Now people sometimes are surprised when I tell them the price, which uh, my prices are not super high either, but you know, people have no idea what to expect, especially most of these authors are moms with kids, you know, so their budgets are not huge and they've written a book and they really want to get it out in the world. But I'm kind of really into this woman's idea and I'm working with her. We're going to try and do a Kickstarter this year. And this is cool because it's a real experiment. I've told her we might fail. You know, the only thing we're going to lose is our time, but we might publish a book and that would be super awesome. So this is my second one. And with this one, with the kids books, there's also, I actually have like a business plan more with this one. And that is in creating Kindle Direct Publishing books. So KDP. So this is like creating books that you put on Amazon and they take care of publishing and printing and shipping, but you have to sort of do your own marketing. And because I draw, I'm able to create coloring books and I'm able to create books that are very unique compared to what everyone else on there is making. A lot of people are just using clip art and stock images and their books are kind of shitty. And it's a long game. Like I know that I'm not going to put out a book and then it's selling like a thousand copies a day. You know, I I know that illustration is, and and the KDP world is a longer game and, and you're building up slowly, but that's all of that just fits with like the kids books and that style. Then the third style is erotic art. (laughs) So it's very different from the kids' books. And this is now why the audience is like, oh, that's why she has the pen names. Because you're like, well, cartoons and like the spooky cute. I don't see why you have to be different. This is why. And for so long, this was actually my passion. And I still love doing pinups. And it's really so I'm, you know, the feminism follows along through all three of these. I'm very big into diversity body positivity. My erotic art is really made for women who don't find pleasure in what, you know, mainstream pornography is creating. So it's a place for them to, to find something that characters that look like them and things that give them pleasure. And and a lot of my fans are women. The commissions I get for this, sometimes it's someone wants a portrait of themselves as a couple for their lover. You know, there will be sex workers who want portraits of themselves to, you know, promote their brand. So there's a lot of things. It's it's definitely adult. What I'm doing is not just like pinups. It's like full on adult work. And I did release my first comic and I did as a pay what you want. And, And I sold quite a few copies, even as pay what you want. I sold quite a few at different prices because 
I give so much free content out that people really wanted to support me, which was really cool. And I found after doing that one comic, I actually just preferred drawing the comic part and not the sex part. So the part of me is, is losing interest in that. And I, there's another big reason that I'm losing interest in this uh, brand. And it used to be people were like, ah, oh, sex, it's like, you know, uh, uh, recession proof. And it's so easy that you can just make a neurotic comic and everybody's going to buy it. Wrong. We are living in a much more conservative world and the online space for erotic art, even, even if it is body positivity, even if it is, you know, PG 13, almost, uh, it's getting harder and harder to put your work out there. I've already lost an Instagram account to, you know, the big nipple crisis on Instagram where you can't post a nipple and they're cartoon nipples, but there you have it. And so it's just, it's become such a struggle. It's so hard to take payment for even commissions so there's so many challenges when you're making adult content online, even if it's illustration that it's like kind of exhausting to me. And I feel maybe I should be fighting, you know, the good fight and supporting, you know, my sex worker friends and, and doing my best to, to make sure that there is safe spaces online. But it's also like, I don't know, it wouldn't be so much easier just to take a break from that. Although I am, so I have one client this year who's been doing a lot of commissions of erotic art for a comic that he wants to create. And we've talked about maybe doing a Kickstarter next year. So that's exciting. It's one of my biggest clients right now is this this person who wants to do this uh, comic, which could be really great long-term. But again, there's all these challenges. So those are my three styles. And uh, I don't know if I'm talking too much now, but I had kind of done like a mental Venn diagram of the three to see like where they overlap and uh, and if I can merge two or like which one I would get rid of. So, but maybe I'll stop talking for a bit and let Katie throw some thoughts in there. Well, the, the thing I wrote down was nipple crisis, if I'm quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to think of something really profound to say and to give you some great directions. And I wrote the word nipple crisis. I'm so well, it's sorry a very about important. That. No, don't be sorry. It's, it's, it's really important. <laughs> I just wrote that down. That was, that was my main note. I've even underlined it. Look, there's a pandemic. There's a nipple Never crisis. Never mind about that. It's a nipple crisis that I'm interested yeah. in. Um, I think from your three brands and um, your three areas that you're interested in, the kids, the erotic, and your sort of main, um, what you call your main brand, what would you call that? Your sort of gothic kind of style. Yeah, spooky. I would say spooky cute. Uh, spooky cute. Okay, I like that. Um, I think you answered your question. When you were talking, you, you convinced me that you were kind of over the erotic stuff at the moment, that you weren't enjoying some elements of it. So I'm interested that you kind of flagged that up yourself. Because to me, you need to choose one here and to move the other two to the side, knowing that you can always go back to them if you need to. They'll still be there. You can still pick them up. But there is so much going on for you right now. Everything from your personal training to your day job to your three different art brands. I think that you really have to remove at least two of them <laughs> and go for yeah. one, which I think there may be a little bit of, um, you know, bereavement almost that you're going to put them aside, that you'll feel a bit of loss. As you are saying it, I'm feeling pain. <laughs> like yeah. I, I am. And, and I'm sure I'm not the only person. I love doing all these things. Like even like, you know, I still love web design. I still have all these things. It's easier for me to put those to the side. But when mm -hmm. it comes to like one of the art brands, it does give me pain. Now I said the personal training. I did have a few clients this year. I'm very happy to stop that because that was a good experiment, but it's not for me. I like to be fit and work out a lot and give people advice if they need it. So I'm glad I have the certification to give people advice, but man, because I go all out. So if I meet someone 
you know, I have the session and then I do a really amazing plan for them. And then I'm there if they have questions and I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting paid less than minimum wage, you know, for all, all that I'm putting in. So it's just, it's too much. Yeah. So that's an easy one to knock off. Okay. It just seems that there's with the three different brands, they're, they're really quite different. And if I was looking now to find you customers to sell, because you, your vision is to work full time, to make income, to produce this art that you feel passionate about. That's where your heart is. That's your North Star. That's your vision. That's your goal. Mm-hmm. Then right now, there's too many things for me to be able to think about. If, it, if I was you right now, there's just too much going on. Because there is opportunity all over the place. And when, when we first start up with our businesses, we can react quickly and see opportunity and go towards it. But what sometimes happens, especially when we're very entrepreneurial, and you're clearly really entrepreneurial, so you can see the opportunity and people are drawn to you to a Kickstarter, to do a commission, to buy a print. I mean, your work is phenomenally good. You are naturally entrepreneurial. So what's happening is there's opportunity everywhere. And it's kind of like there's just too much going on. So for me, I think that I would look down to, uh, you need to go for one of them, knowing, even though it's going to make you feel sad, uh, you may going to miss maybe two, two of them, that you can go back to them. But right now, why not do a three-month sprint on one of them? Go hell for leather and really push one. Work out who is your audience. Work out the prop, you know, some classic kind of marketing questions which we can talk about today if you want to. Who is your audience? Who's most likely to buy and what are they going to buy? Mm-hmm. Who needs this stuff? And rather talking about your work and how wonderful your work is, and it is wonderful, we now start to talk about the customer. Who's going to give you the money? Who's going to give you the cash? Who wants this stuff that you produce, these wonderful illustrations? Who are these people? What do they need and where are they? And how can you get to them? So I think that's the kind of area that I'd like to maybe explore with you today. Yeah, that sounds good. As an illustrator, you know, there's many ways to to bring in income. And uh, commissions are kind of the worst. If you think about it, let's say you draw a commission for $100, then to make $1,000 a week, I have to get 10 consistent commissions. And that's quite hard. So for me, I'm, I love commissions. I enjoy them, but I'm trying to find those other ways. And I don't like the term passive income only because it makes it seem like, oh, I'm lazy and I just want to like, you know, have real estate income coming in or something like that. So I know that that term is kind of wrong, but I am into the idea of creating a product that will live on past its creation, you know? So I guess that technically is the definition of passive income. So either courses, you know, on illustration or, you know, I was talking about the KDP books, Kindle Direct Publishing, even digital comics, which really don't sell amazingly. That would really be the passion project. I also, I find with my Spooky Cute brand, there's a real clear audience for merch, you know, for stickers and, and t-shirts and, and things like this. So like I, I could create merch for that side. I feel like that also in the sense of like, I want to have fun, right? I want to have joy in the art. I want to be creating all day. I'm not afraid of putting in a lot of work. I already am putting in so much hours. So it's not that, but I do like the idea of enjoying the work I'm creating and having fun with it. And there's so much fun in that. But when I think of like, I really had to make money in the next three months. Really, like I couldn't work, I couldn't do anything. You know, what would I work on? I know that the KDP books would probably be the one to put my time into. Again, it's not like for sure that any of them would sell, 
But I do think that I am bringing high quality books to the market, books that people want to buy. When I show people my books, like they are buying them. They're really excited by them. The price is not too high when you publish through Amazon. And I could just spend the next three months like making a ton of really cool activity books and coloring books for kids, putting them out there so that in three months, they're kind of indexed into Amazon and they are starting to bring in income slowly. And, you know, let's say I start off and I'm selling $100 a month of books. That's not so much. But again, if you have 10 books out there and they're each selling $100 a month, like, okay, I've made my first $1,000 in passive income. That's super cool. And because I have a day job, it's not like I'm, God, I need to make like more books and it's so stressful, you know? So there's still like that having a day job makes the financial stress less. It just, Mm -hmm. it just makes the time stress more. So that's what I feel would be the best use of my time. There you go. You've made a decision. (laughs) You're going to go for the kids. There you go. Yeah. And, um, I feel a bit of pain in my heart, right. As I say it to you, because I know that like, Oh God, but I have all this other stuff I want to do. (laughs) Like Katie, don't you understand? (laughs) I do. I do. I understand completely. I totally understand because of your entrepreneurial, the, the way that you are, there's opportunity coming all over the place, but there is too much. I think there's just too much noise. And I think I was hoping that you found a way yourself to get to one of those. I think you already talked yourself out of the exotic one. So erotic, not exotic. I'm still distracted by nipple crisis. Yeah, we'll talk later. (laughs) And the the erotic one, I think you've talked yourself out of. I'm interested in the kids one. I'd like to examine that a little bit more and see that you've already worked out that you're like route to market, which is a really, you know, kind of strange way of saying, you know, how are you going to get it in front of people is through the Kindle uh, the route, the idea that you are sort of digitally publishing. Is that the right thing to say there? Is it a digital publishing thing? Yeah. That's really where you think the worth is? I think it's not digitally publishing. Actually, it's like they, they do print the books. They print on demand, um, okay. which is exciting. So it's great because they actually take care of printing and shipping and, and they have the American market, Canadian, uh, UK. So it is actually quite cool. Like I know that it's not, oh, you put your book on KDP and suddenly it's selling 100 copies. Like I, I'm quite aware of the realistic you know side of this, but it is also the thing that I see with my particular talents and my particular style doing quite well. And because I already know, like a lot of people will make these books and they'll get stock images, pre-done interiors. They use Canva to make their exteriors. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm an illustrator, I'm a graphic designer. I know how to publish my own book, format it. I'm doing ad courses, like I'm taking courses on Amazon ads. So online to, to sort of optimize my ads. So I feel like this is something that like actually could be a good use of my talents. What it doesn't do is like a lot of people have a KDP store and they don't have any social media presence. It's not their brand. It's not anything they're They're able to make books on, I don't know, camping log books and stuff. And somehow they're making a living off of it. Good for them. Whereas I kind of want, you know, my art to be my identity when I'm drawing animals and doing sketches, I'd love to be posting those on social media and, and, you know, again, bringing people joy, building a following. And if I am going to launch a Kickstarter in the spring with this author, we do need to start building uh, an audience. We need to start our newsletter. We Mm -hmm. need to start building all that. And so of the three accounts, I actually don't have like a a social media for my kids work yet. I just have the website, but I haven't started building the brand around that. Okay. So just so I'm clear, when you do the Kindle publishing, you have to work with another author. You're imagining you're going to do the illustrations and work with an author who's going to write the words. 
Is that correct? No, sorry. I've got the wrong end of the stick here. Yeah, I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. No, the the Kindle is just me. I'm going to make coloring books and activity books and and really fun stuff for kids. And the the Kickstarter is because I wanted to try and do a Kickstarter this year and uh, experiment. So, you know, this one author contacted me. I mean, who am I to just say yes to some random author? She's a friend of a friend. Like, honestly, like, it's kind of dumb on my part to be doing that. But I don't know. I felt good about her project. I felt good about you know, it's, it's an, kind of, as we talked about like the mini experiments, I think her idea is marketable. I guess I'm also, what she's bringing to the table is like, she's a Pilates teacher. So she has a network already. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm bringing my talent as an illustrator and she has her network that we can reach out to. And, you know, we can just try and do like the smallest Kickstarter launch. And that's super exciting. Like imagine we do it and it's just enough to publish. I don't know. What if it's a hundred books? Who cares? Like it would be so cool just to say like we ran a Kickstarter. It was successful. We printed a hundred books. We sold them to friends and family. And now I know how to run a Kickstarter. Fantastic. And now I can do for a bigger launch, not huge, but you know, smaller. And I have another friend. I would say he's almost my writing partner. And he, him and I are also working on a book. We're trying to figure out if it's more young adult or, or adult. It's, it's kind of a horror kids book. And I feel so passionate about that idea. So I kind of want to do this mini Kickstarter before I do anything, you know, with my writing partner. Okay. Can I just pull you back for a sec? Yes. Because you are so excited about you doing your Kickstarters and I can feel again, the, I can hear it in your voice, the excitement (laughs) about doing it. And then I'm like, hang on a second. I've got written down here. We're doing coloring books on Kindle. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> are, we? are we? Are we doing collaborations with artists, uh, with, with writers and doing Kickstarters? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not saying you can't, you can't do those things. You can. You can do whatever you like because you're your own boss. But in terms of getting to move away some of the, the clutter, just so you can really laser focus and really go for it, are some of these things you have to gonna put on ice a little bit so you can really focus? Because I want to get down to the nitty gritty on, okay. on who's going to buy these coloring books. Who are these people and where are they and how do we reach them? Yeah. So I guess let's say with this first Kickstarter, I was thinking of doing it in the spring. Maybe we can push it till summer. Like there's really no rush in this one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, six months from now, like I can even tell her, let's, let's start working on it in February, you know, after okay. I made all, all, all a whole bunch of coloring books and just now just sit and focus on creating like a bunch, like if I can make a bunch of coloring books and activity books and get them out there, then they're in the store. Then after two months, they kind of get indexed by Amazon and they start to show up in people's searches and I can start playing with advertising more and I can start experimenting with that. So I feel like that's where I should be going because the Kickstarter is, again, it'll be a mini launch. It's not going to pay my bills. It might pay only for itself, you know, and you're building on yourself. So you do that first Kickstarter, you start to get your name, you start to get your list it's not a, a quit my job project. It's a cool, you made this awesome product, like good for you uh, project. So I, I still think like doing the KDP is actually like, could actually bring in revenue that, you know, slowly starts to replace part of my income. Mm-hmm. And I do like drawing cartoon animals. I love it. <laughs> actually, you know, it's really fun. I do deep inside still feel sadness that I'm going to be putting <laughs> like my spooky, cute horror art to the side, which is something that I feel so passionate about. Like, well, I you really... can change your mind. Look, you can change your mind here. It's up to you. <laughs> I know. I know. But I also like the entrepreneur in me is also like, okay, but dude, like you also do need to make money. <laughs> like, it's nice that you want to draw like spooky girls in cool clothing, but you also would like to have a business and not just a hobby. Well, you can go back to it. You can go back to it anytime. 
And then that's the beauty of this. You can choose what happens next. Um, mm. I'm interested in, you clearly know about the KDP and the idea that you put these coloring books out there. It takes two months for them to be them logged and, and in a format so that people can find them when they search on, on Amazon. So, you, you know, you, you know that process. But I will ask you, and it's going to be cartoon animals, yeah. So that's yeah. And I've seen I've seen your website, so I can see that they're fantastic, and I love them. Um, Thank you. Who's going to be interested in buying them? Who are those people? So parents who, with uh, COVID, there's been a lot more homeschooling. Yes, the mm-hmm. vaccine is coming out, but uh, there's still a lot of homeschooling that's going to be going on. So things there's like you know, how to write, letter tracing, and then coloring books are just always very popular. So it's always like kids aren't out there buying like, you know, their own coloring books. Uh, It's parents that are buying it. So I am sort of focusing towards parents, but for their kids, right? So I'm creating fun stuff like, you know, I love animals, but I also love like unicorns. And like, I'm happy to do stuff that is like really focused, like just a kitten coloring book, you know, like that sounds super fun. Can I draw 50 kittens? Yeah, that's a good challenge to see if I can draw 50 different kittens. So the people buying it are the parents, but they're buying it for their kids. And so you kind of really want to niche down, you know, if you Mm -hmm. just do coloring book, you're competing for these keywords that everybody has. But Mm -hmm. if you sort of niche down into different things, even particular animals, that's the key. And again, I love doing the cartoon animals. It's fun. I think I'm good at it. And I think my style works really well for coloring books because it's a thick outline. So how would you describe your style for the kids stuff? Because you're quite clear about the erotic stuff. You're quite clear about your spooky, uh, spooky, cute other stuff. How would you describe your kids stuff? I mean, what's your difference? I'm thinking about my children. Why would my daughter want to color one of your books in? What's the difference? What would she be searching for? What should she be into? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I find that I do very like funny, whimsical characters. They have a lot of character. They're not just these flat, you know, simple illustrations. They have personality. They're funny. So that's what I think that my cartoons bring a little bit more. They're really, they're really funny. Like not to put myself in the bag, but I'm pretty funny. <laughs> like, so I, I, I think that they are though, like pretty uh, different than what's out there. So yeah. So that's what I think I have. I think the way Casey's taking it is absolutely correct. The comment I wanted to just add in was, Jamie, have you heard the expression, if you build it, they will come? <laughs> Yeah, from the uh, fictional movie, uh, what's that, baseball movie? Yes, I've heard that one, yeah. Field of Dreams. I think it was also said in Wayne's World, which is far more my level. Um, Yeah, agreed, uh, preferred. If you build it, they will come is one of these things in society. And I've heard you said about you put it on Amazon, it gets indexed, and then people will start buying it. Like, that sounds lovely, Uh, (laughs) that's when the hard work starts. And I've had a couple of friends who managed to get a deal publishing a book with Penguin. And even doing the book deal with Penguin, who would throw marketing dollars and energy behind the book to sell it, still the biggest question the publisher had was, how are you going to sell the book? Um, I I certainly didn't mean to imply that I put it on Amazon and then they take care of it because it's Amazon. I'm sorry if it came off that way. What I meant was only within two months can I even begin to start thinking that maybe we can start marketing it. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I was even more, you know, depressive in my like overview than you could possibly imagine. So yeah, definitely. I understand that it is no field of dreams. It is definitely, it's up there. And that means once it's indexed, then 
the ads I run can actually start to work as opposed to just bleeding money every day. And my keyword, you know, optimization can start to work and I can start to, to focus more on that. So yeah, don't worry, Alan, I am not at all an optimist in any way. <laughs> Didn't we talk about how I've like lived my life putting my plan B first? <laughs> Certainly <laughs> in no way did I think like I would put books out there and they would just magically sell. So don't worry. My uh, excitement is certainly toned down. <laughs> Well, I am an absolute optimist. So me personally, I am a full optimist. And I think if we do this, if we get it out there, it can work. I think mm -hmm. it's just realizing that we get the book out there. And then as Casey is doing, let's focus in on exactly who we're going to sell it to. And the way I think of Amazon at the moment is Amazon is a search engine. So mm -hmm. Amazon is basically a Google for products. And we have two ways to work our business on Google. We have search engine optimization, which is the way of getting to the top of the natural listings. And then we have pay-per-click, which is sponsoring your advert to come first. And you've got two very similar tools on Amazon to be able to play the game there as well. And actually, once we've got that book out, where KC is taking us right now, that's going to be the key bit is focusing in on those customers to sell it. And I think you do need to pick one for the next experiment of your mm -hmm. three accounts. That doesn't mean if you suddenly get a huge order from the erotic pinup stuff, you have to reject it. No, <laughs> it just means that the next experiment is focused on those one things. And it sounds as though this Kindle publishing book idea that sounds like it's one you want to do. And it sounds like the Kickstarter is one you want to do. I guess it's like, which one are you going to pick to have a go at first? Yeah, I think like definitely pushing the Kickstarter to the summer makes sense and doing the Kindle right now makes sense. And I guess like I do really, would really, really, really love to make my spooky, cute horror art work. But I just can't in my mind at this point see a way of like in three months, could I be making some consistent revenue from that? I just can't see it because I have a lot of so many ideas how I could start to market that and start to build that audience. But all I see with that style, and maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm just being a pessimist, which I'm trying to uh, work on with my therapist, thank you very much, um, is that I'll be building an audience of viewers, but not of paying clients. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So Time has absolutely flown through this. I think we sort of need to start thinking about, let's wrap this up into a plan and where we're going to go. Katie Coombs, what are your thoughts? Ooh, um, I think that the Kindle publishing, the kids book, Jamie's knowledge of how to get her books indexed on there is the bit that stands out for me as a project that could work. The questions or the area that we haven't discovered yet or really got into yet is about who's going to buy them and what words and what phrases they're going to use. What will they be searching for when they come across your mm -hmm. books? And I'm interested in the idea that it's the children that actually search, mm. uh, the age of the children and also what else they're into. Because I know that my daughter at eight doesn't search the same things as some of her friends. So what type of kids, what else are they into? Is your daughter at eight on Amazon looking up stuff for herself? Yeah, they are. <laughs> Sadly, okay. I'm embarrassed to tell that. you that they are. <laughs> they are looking up stuff to show us and say, what about this? And just to look at stuff. Mm. 
and they used to searching and they've got, they're sophisticated in their searching already on Google and on Amazon. They know the longer the sentences they use and the stuff they're into, they get better search results. Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't think so. Cause I, I figure like what's happening most of the time is someone is like putting in coloring book and then, you, you know, you have to sort of niche down. So it's like, I can't just, I mean, I'm going to use coloring book as a keyword search for sure. But let's say if I'm placing an ad, the cost of just catching it for coloring book is probably more than the cost of the book itself or the royalty. So I need to niche down by age, by uh, animal, by gender, but I don't know if your daughter is putting in like coloring book for eight year old girl, you know, is she, is she? No, she's not. She's using, I think like most of us, when we're searching, we're quite honest with our searches. I mean, there's a thing that we, you know, we ask Google questions that we don't, you know, and, and we, we type things into Google that we don't tell our doctor and don't tell our partners, you know, we put it into Google first. And I think there's an element of that, the, the more honest you are, and the more detailed you are with your searches, the better results you get. And I think that the, that happens because it's just the way that search has taught us to do that. And we're getting better mm -hmm. at it just naturally all the time. And I know my kids do it. So I'm not sure about the age group. So for me, at this point, for the next step would be to really think about who is going to be searching and what are they looking for so that you can really focus on your customer and think about have you got the right products? Because it kind of feels very generic. Your work is beautiful. It's not a, a judgment on your work. It's a judgment of who wants it and what are they looking for. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I, I'm certainly using some tools, some paid, some free um, sort of keyword research tools. So you type it in, you find out what other people are searching for. You see yeah. what, you know, is high ranking. Uh, some people create KDP books just based on that, right? They'll just be like, what's high search volume, but doesn't have many actual books in that category. And I'm going to make a mm -hmm. book for that. Uh, or what holidays coming up and that kind of thing. And, and I do think that on some level, actually, that's pretty important. You know, even let's say if I don't want to make uh, if I didn't want to make a Valentine's Day coloring book for some reason, I should still do it, you know, because that's like the perfect market right now. It's two months away, you know, just, just for example. Right. So yeah. I, I do think that I need to uh, create some books that I wouldn't have chosen. Like maybe I want to make a, just a coloring book about lemurs, but maybe people don't care about lemurs anymore because everyone's into sloths or whatever that other animal is that gets mad when you pet it. So, you know, I, like I do have to sort of look at what's trending and, and create for what's trending as well. It's interesting. I do agree. Like we must have our target client, but I, I almost wonder if the Amazon selling is a bit different than like having a brand that you sell to in the sense that you want to follow the trends instead of trying to get a specific client to find you. You're like, here are the trends. I'm going to jump on them because, you know, the, the time to sell is so fast in this world and things move so quickly. Um, yeah, I, I kind of get that. I get the idea of, of, of following trends. But before we get onto that, there's a few steps before it. And that really is the focus on who is looking. I mean, it really is answering those questions. And they're difficult. They're difficult mm -hmm. to answer. Who is actually looking, who's searching at that time for what you've got. And then you can look at trends as you get more sophisticated into it. But, you know, there's plenty of kids who are looking at lemurs at the moment, are into them. That could be their favorite animal. And I suppose if you're thinking about trends, is there a TV show or if there's a, a film coming out um, about a certain type of animal and you can jump on the back of that, there's definitely conversation around that and, and some thoughts you could have around that. But really, it's who's buying it and why are they buying it? What are they buying it for? Is it to do with school? Is it because they're into things? Is it just looking for things randomly? It's understanding who is going to actually purchase it. Mm -hmm. And, it may, and who's going to find it and who's going to purchase so my kids find things and then sadly most of the time I purchase them but <laughs> they have found them based on a project at school 
they're interested in something, there's a TV program, and then they do searches around merchandise, things to do around it. So how can you start to apply that learning? I mean, almost imagining that what the kids, who are they? How old are they? What else are they into? Is just doing animals too wide? You need to do something a little bit more niche. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, I, I mean, as much as I love kids, I've taught kids art. Uh, I don't have any. So I'm not, I don't have that. And I wonder if that's maybe um, the one thing against me in like the children's book, you know, world is that I don't have kids. So I don't have this direct line into what kids are into or how they're acting or what, you know, their, their daily like browsing habits uh, and that sort of thing. Do you have anyone you can borrow them from? Well, I was going to say, I've got two <laughs> going for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, you're a little far, but uh, do I have anyone? Well, kind of, so I've been teaching one of my friend's daughter, and she's nine, teaching her art online. And we'll just chat. We'll just like shoot the shit and, and talk about like unicorns and kittens and stuff like that. So I kind of do like have this like nine-year-old who I'm super aware of what she's into uh, and what she enjoys. And, and I have gotten some ideas of like things that I should be working on. I showed her some of my unicorn drawings and one of them was like a unicorn mermaid. She was like, oh my God, you did a unicorn mermaid. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have this one, you know, lifeline of, of a nine-year-old girl, uh, but that's about it. I guess I have a lot of friends who have kids and I could reach out to them and ask their opinion I just never thought about it before so now my head is suddenly like oh yeah I know tons of kids <laughs> <laughs> so look we've been chatting for about 50 minutes now time has absolutely flown uh, Jamie in a moment I'm going to come to you and ask you what you got out of the podcast and what you're actually going to do based on our conversation before I do that Katie if you could just summarize your advice for Jamie that would be really helpful for both of us Okay. Um, I think that Jamie needs to really focus on one big project, maybe for the next three months and put her energy into that. Move things to the side, clear the clutter, really focus on it. And it must be something she's passionate about. She can't pretend to be or think that's where the money is or that's where the gap in the market is. It's the one that she thinks, I will just love doing that, where I will be in my element, where I can go for it and I can't wait to start the one that you've got the energy for inside. And it must be that one. So that when you finish this call, when you come, when you finish this podcast, you're just like, right, I'm onto it as soon as I can. You're looking for that spare moment because you know it's the right thing. Move everything to the side, knowing that you can come back to it. And then really focusing on what you are selling to who. I mean, when I'm teaching pop-up business school, I have a slide that says, I sell to that helps them to. Mm-hmm. So I sell to that helps them to. And I think that's the place to start. And you can change it. You can adapt it as you go, as you're thinking, but it's a great place just to start. That's the only business plan you need. Understand what you sell, who's buying it and how it helps them. And even if you're selling to kids, you can still do the same thing. You can still imagine those children and what they're looking for. And how does it help them? Does it help them finish a project at school? Are they looking to learn to draw? Are they looking to use the new pens they've just bought? What is it that that you're helping them with? I honestly believe that everything we buy, everything we buy as humans from a pen to to a cup of coffee is we're fulfilling a need somewhere within us. We're fulfilling a desire or want need or a desire or we are solving a problem on some level, every single thing. So if you can start to understand what your coloring books will do, you know, what's the result of them? What is the want, need, desire or problem they're going to solve? Even for little people, it's still the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that focus on the customer, it has to start there. 
it's almost like reverse intuition says you start with your products or your service or your art and actually let's think about the because you're commercializing here you're starting with your customer what do they want and can you provide it that's my summary really katie coombs i love it excellent jamie what have you got out of chatting to us today and what are you going to do based on this I definitely, and maybe it wasn't the intention, but I definitely think I got that tough love of like, you must pick. And I knew it was going to go that way. I knew you wouldn't say like, you know what? Just do a little bit of each of them. It's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> I, I knew it wouldn't go that way. I was secretly hoping we could just pick two out of the three. And uh, what I'm going to do, to be really honest, is sit and journal for a little bit and get all those thoughts out on paper, um, well, digital paper, because that's the best way for me to sort of come to terms with like my thoughts because as much like part of me is like, yep, this is definitely the way to go. And the other part of me is like, but don't you want to draw something spooky? Uh, <laughs> don't you want to do your like other thing? So I need to sort of figure out why is that still poking in my head? Is that where I want to go? And I'm just, you know, looking at KDP because I think it's going to make money. Do I feel passionate about these coloring books? Part of me does. God, when I was drawing them, I spent a whole weekend making one and I was like, this is the funnest. So I just need to clarify 100% why I'm choosing this, what it's creating, what it's giving, what it's bringing me and what it will bring a client. And then what my plan will be to make it happen. And that being said, like I, when I pick, I will pick and I will go full force on it. I'm probably still going to give myself a little time to draw for fun, other things. But as I, I had mentioned in my email, I don't really watch shows or play video games. So I think that allowing myself a couple of hours a week to draw, you know, work on a spooky comic or something like that. I think that's a fair thing to do, you know, as, as seen as free time. But if I'm going to be saying I'm going to work on my business from like, you know, seven to 10 every night, then I have to, to really focus on the one that I choose, which I think we all can agree is probably the KDP. I love how I put probably that was definitely a very assertive <laughs> answer that I gave you. Is that clear, Ellen? To that, <laughs> you're still on. hedging your bets, Sonny. You're still hedging yeah, your bets. I love it. It's clear you're going to go away and think about it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, clear. I'm going to go away and have a think, and uh, probably a coffee as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show and being part of it. I think it's been really interesting to examine this. Will you come back and tell us how you get on with all of this? I would love that. I hope that I didn't frustrate you too much today with my indecisiveness. I would love to come back and tell you that I did pick something and that I did go full force on it. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Katie Coombs. Thank you for being on the show. And thank you for your energy and insight. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. And um, I can hear from Jamie's voice how excited and how much energy and passion she's got. And that's, um, that's like, you know, that's 80% of the battle. I really do think that if you have got that uh, genuine desire to succeed doing something that you love. So good luck, Jamie. Yeah, thank you. And uh, honestly, Katie, it was really great chatting with you and, uh, and you too, Alan. Your advice was fantastic. So I'm definitely much more focused. I, I did need that kick in the butt. I did need that tough love. And, and I knew it was something that I was just sort of fooling myself, thinking I could do everything. And that's why I'm where I am, having not completed anything. So yeah, thank you very much. It's our pleasure. And the closing thought for the audience listening at the home with all of these things, there isn't actually a right answer. So given two possible options, given three possible options, and you're thinking, well, they're all pretty good, it doesn't really matter what you pick. As long as you do something, you take action and you make it happen. 
So if you get that one thing from this podcast today and you go away and you take action and you sell and sell to a particular audience member, nothing would make us at The Rebel Entrepreneur happier. Good luck, go make money and have fun. That was episode one and you can see Jamie trying to make a decision between these different projects she wants to focus on. She's a creative. She loves to create. And one of the things that Simon, myself and Katie Coombs have noticed at Pop-Up Business School is if you are creative, you probably have more than one idea and then choosing is tough. How do you know where to focus? How do you know what to do? And the bit I'd love you to take away from this episode is you can debate endlessly which idea to go for. Like it's a never ending debate. You could literally talk about the marketing, the market, who's going to buy, the size of the market. We could spend days on this subject and I don't want to. Actually, at some point you have to end the debate and just go for it because you're never going to make the perfect decision. And that's uncomfortable to know, but you're never going to make the perfect decision. Even the wisest people get it wrong. For the Americans listening out there, Shark's Tank is called Dragon's Den in England. And whether it's Dragon's Den or Shark's Tank, the entrepreneurs on there have made a fortune, but they still make the wrong decision of businesses to invest in. There's still a 50-50 chance of the businesses they invest in failing. And if the most successful entrepreneurs out there get it wrong, what hope have you and I got? Like, we're still going to get it wrong. This is the key for me of actually the whole Rebel Entrepreneur series, is taking an idea and testing it without debt and with as little risk as possible. Because you get to choose what risk you face. So you can choose whether you risk time, you can choose whether you risk reputation, you can choose whether you risk energy or money. So what we say is make sure that you risk energy and time, not money, because you can do a mini experiment. You can test your ideas, you can get it out there and you can see if it work. And actually, you will never know which idea is the best until you try it. That is what I would love you to take away from this episode is pick an idea, test it, get it out there, run a mini experiment and do it. That is the key to progress on all of these things. So listen to episode nine from season two, from ideas to reality, mini experiments, and a couple of episodes afterwards where we have Michael talking about a mini experiment that failed, Keith talking about the wrap up of his mini experiment and what he's done. And please test your idea. You're never going to make the perfect decision. You just need to make a decision and get going. Start building the future you want today. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.